Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hatgate, what? Hat. Show you guys. And we oh, were oh, just, oh, just going strong. We were just <laughs> going through the gears no, there. It's black. It's a, I've it's got okay. a scarf if you want. I mean, is it just to keep you warm? No, no, you can no, borrow no. my coat. Oh. I'm going to take it as a sign, as a sign from God. Nothing is permanent. The things we hold can run through, our, can crumble and run through our fingers like dust. Do you talk like that on your podcast? Very philosophical, there. It's kind of a dire straits song. Da- oh, well, no, we don't need oh, that. No. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Stephen Jones of the Sunday Times. This is the Ruck, the first of the new year, our weekly podcast for the Times and Sunday Times. And thanks a million for all the kind comments that you made about our, well, about all our uh, podcasts last year. They, we were very gratified, and especially the one where we all came in to work on Boxing Day to tape the Boxing Day edition. People thought we were a little bit merry, but we are always like that. We didn't have to have a drink to be like that. We'll be with you right through to the end of the rugby season, so there's no sleep till Johannesburg, which is uh, when the England season comes to an end with the third test. Um, and we'll be with you right through until then every week. So thanks for joining us, thanks for downloading us, and uh, thanks for following us, and thanks for reacting. Owen Slot uh, of uh, the Rugby Correspondent of the Times is Hello, here. Hello, Jonesy. Owen, what's your New Year's resolution? Spend more time with you. Okay. Um, Let's hope that doesn't come off. Okay. Well, <laughs> that, I mean, see, you, you can only aim for these sort of things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, one, spend more time with you. Uh, resolutions... So I've got a, a, a load of hopes. There's a resolution, I think, a keep uh, as a journalist, keep applying pressure to world rugby to um, uh, improve the game, make the game safer. Uh, I think they're doing. They're sort of world rugby are on permanent five or six out of ten in that respect, and I yes. think they they uh, feel that they are doing a job, and I just think they need to do a better job. Um, so I think as a journalist, that's something we should be pushing for. Uh, I would hope to see. Um, Razi Erasmus improve the Springboks and bring some good Springboks home to improve the South African team. I would hope to see Manu Tuilagi and Billy Vonapola play for more than one week in a row. And maybe Sam Underhill get a proper run again. Stuart Barnes, the great man, has deigned to join us. He's a little bit sniffy about broadcasting with amateurs like us, but he's decided to come along anyway. Stuart, what's your New Year's resolution? Not to write a single word about Manu Tuilagi until he merits a place in an England squad of any size. Tuolangi is a virus that has infected English rugby and its thinking (laughs) since he destroyed New Zealand on his own. He was wonderful that day, but it was a long time ago. Eddie Jones, it seems to me, has found an antidote and has just taken his time. The rest of us should follow suit. 
Johnny Fordham of the Sun, uh, representing the other end of the market here today, but very, very welcome. Johnny, your New Year's resolution? Uh, my New Year's resolution would be to, for the forthcoming season, see the Premiership at the bottom get a little bit more uh, competitive. I think London Irish have uh, deceived us a little bit with that first day opening win, and since then they've... Uh, basically played themselves back into this championship pretty quickly so Bristol coming up I think that's really going to throw the cat amongst the pigeons and some of those big boys are going to be a little bit uh, a little bit wary I guess Northampton Saints and a, and a few others are probably quite pleased they're not up this season Good one Johnny while you're here um, uh, over the weekend uh, mm. some of us in this room went to a really really upper class champagne <laughs> all the way uh, party in a, in a very um, distinguished boathouse on the Thames near Chiswick uh, to celebrate the birthday of our colleague Sam Peters, it was his 40th birthday. Johnny, would you say your dry January um, <laughs> resolution got up, was shot down in flames then? I, I, I would say if you're going for lunch, possibly don't go for five beers and a pack of knobby nuts because it probably won't be able to carry you until uh, until dinner time. So I'd say maybe go for kind of five courses and one beer instead of uh, the food to the food to beer ratio being the other way around. I'd say. Okay, well, well, that's fair enough. Mm, he didn't get too badly. But it was like a social well, experiment, really, just to see if Nobby's nuts can really hold their own in terms of other. You know, maybe I should have a pack of crisps or pork scratching as well. Well, like the, 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 you, you, I doubt if you could have had to, managed to get those down you because there was so <laughs> much drink. But there we go. Um, tell me something else uh, in the subject of ripping in. Um, Stuart and I have, have taken uh, what I consider to be polemic lines uh, with uh, Dylan Hartley. Johnny, you you know Dylan well. You mm. ghosted his column for a long, long time. What sort of guy is he? And are we? Who's barking up the wrong tree? Is it me who says he shouldn't be in the in the team and he shouldn't be captain? Both of them, or is it Stuart who says, uh, admittedly not a huge fan, but who does say that um, he's in he's in there for a reason, or at least Stuart um, told us the reasons why Eddie picks him. Where do you stand on Dylan? If, as you know him so well. I think right now, I think that his his form is shocking, as we can all see. I think that his his leadership is still good, but I don't think it's head and shoulders above anyone else's in that team, say someone like Owen Farrell or someone who leads differently, even someone like Billy Vunapola. I don't think that he is such a magical kind of orator and uh, inspirational character that he's really going to kind of get that team dragged along with him and everything. But he is... He is Eddie Jones's man. Eddie Jones, he even speaks like Eddie Jones now a little bit more in terms of every time he answers a question, he's thinking, what would Eddie say or what should I be saying? He's mm. he's no longer Dylan Hartley, so to speak. He's more Dylan Jones Hartley, I think, um, which is a shame because he's such a good guy and such a good talker. I think that he needs to uh, trust his own instinct sometimes and just be his own person as well. I think that he's kind of got a bit carried away and been brainwashed by Eddie Jones into being this kind of company man, this uh, this, this England man. Did, did we read your piece last Friday wrong? in believing you to be Eddie's lost love child <laughs> because um, you weren't actually writing it in support of... You were explaining why Dylan is in the team. The philosophy of the captaincy, not Hartley's form. I don't think mm. Hartley's playing well, but I have seen in my career as a player and a journalist an awful lot of players not perform at club level who can still do the duty for England. Now, Eddie Jones thinks the best way England can win the World Cup is if Eddie Jones was out on the pitch. And Dylan Hartley, a hooker like Eddie Jones was a hooker, is the nearest thing that Jones has to someone who can actually go onto the pitch and actually be Jones. So we were laughing about calling him sort of Dylan Hartley Jones. Mm. That actually is what Eddie wants. And, you know, Eddie now has taken to saying, 
look at the win record, it's great. I mean, at the start of his career, he talked about performance. Steve, you're a great one for winning records. Mm. If you look at the win record under Dylan Hartley, it's the greatest there is in English sport and football or cricket. It's astonishing. And so my point was, why bother debating it? Because with Eddie Jones's criteria for what makes a great captain, until he can lose a couple of games, there ain't going to be a change. Oh, and are we making too much fuss about the captain? Because in the old days, the really old days, the captain would be the, co- the coach as well. I mean, some Lions captains coached the team. God knows how they did that. But are we making too much of a fuss about something that's only a figurehead? No, I don't think so, because he clearly is more than a figurehead. And, and when England turned from their World Cup shambles in 2015 to uh, a grand slamming team in 2016, we're, everyone's trying to divine what the changing ingredients were. And clearly Eddie Jones was one of them. And, and who knows to what extent Dylan Hartley was a, was another part of it. Eddie, jo- I had a coffee with Eddie Jones in Wellington at, uh, on the Lions tour. And um, uh, he said, you've got to read this book, The Captain's Class. And um, and I have since read the captain's class, and it is all about how well it's it's this guy Sam Walker who used to be the sports editor of the Wall Street Journal, and and he he spent I don't know how many weeks years decades looking at the greatest teams in sporting history across all sport hmm. and trying to work out what was the what was the communality between all of them, and he and he he got it down to the sixteen greatest teams of all time. I mean, a, a, an interesting project. Um, which sort of slightly lost me with his ground rules along the way. But anyway, he wanted to find out what, 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 was, what was the alignment between all the 16 teams. And he said he thought it would be first ta- um, talent, and, and then he thought it would be coaching. But, but his conclusion was that what actually made these teams outstanding and what linked them all was that they had a captain that pushed them to that level. And, and he said that he was massively influenced by that book. And I don't actually agree with the theory, but Eddie believes that to the to the limit. If you've got Mike Brealey in charge, or if you've got if you've got Martin Johnson or Lawrence Nadu in charge, that's, that holds water. Not when you've got a, a faded Northampton Saint. So for I, me, I, but, for uh, me, the, the uh, thing really is, the thing is, it 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 works as a theory until his form becomes questioned by his teammates. Because as soon as the teammates are looking at him, going, "How's he and the team are not Jamie George, presumably." As soon as that happens, then the thing's done and it has, it has to change. Well, you don't think they're saying that already? I, well, I, that I don't know. That I don't know. But everyone else on the outside is. Stuart, can I just put something else to you? The, the, Eddie came up with a, with a quote last week in which he said, well, of course, when I go along to watch club rugby, oh, you must realise that some people are not very good at club rugby, are good at internationals. And then mm. he said vice versa. Some people are good at internationals, not club rugby. The most pompous poppycock I've ever heard in my life. If because... For a start, a lot of the tests England would play this year would be nothing remotely as hard as what Saracens will face in the European Cup, for instance. How can you say that something like it involving Italy or possibly even Wales this year or Scotland over the last few years is better than club stuff? But the pomposity of that is absolutely ridiculous because they're the same sports, they're both high level, one may be a step up from another, but how on earth, it's not a different sport. If you're bloody tremendous at club level, it's a good chance you're likely to be tremendous at international level. Someone hit it on the head, the nail on the head the other day. They said, Eddie Jones is trying to persuade us that something is going on that we don't know about, and it's rubbish. Well, sorry, Steve, I think it's time for polarisation between you and I yet again. I think they are worlds apart. It's not in terms of speed, it's not in terms of size, it's not in terms of style. It's a psychological thing. International rugby 
is such a mental test in a way that club rugby is not. You know, you can be a brilliant player at your clubs, uh, but you wear the white of England or you wear the red of Wales and your entire nation is watching uh, the media world and the social media world is geared up in a way that is not used to it. And it's very different. And, you know, I, I can tell you, I, I felt utterly comfortable throughout my career playing for Bath in, in Cup Finals, 60,000 at Twickenham. It's familiarity. Internationally, it's very different. You have to get to know the players and you have to work your way into it. So it feels as if it's a, a club game. Difference between a good player and a great player. Good players might be okay as internationals. Great players walk into it. I felt my problem was that, you know, I didn't play enough to actually feel I'm comfortable there. My teammate Jerry Guscott, on his first game, walked into it and just thought, "What's the problem?" Because the great players can handle it, but there is undoubtedly a big psychological difference. Why does Eddie go to club games then? Why doesn't he spare us? I don't see why the hell Eddie Jones goes to club games. Um, because he clearly isn't interested in it. The only thing you can say is Jones has got his three criteria, or so he claims, hasn't he? Historical form, so you don't need to watch club rugby. Current form, club rugby... Ed Stewart, Eddie Jones' criteria changes every minute. No, Steve... Every minute. There's some some different criteria for selection every bloody press conference. No, explanation of selection, yes, he changes. His criteria has pretty much always been, ever since he's come in, he has said it's about historical form, it's about current form, and I don't see why you watch club rugby for current form because he doesn't rate that and then it's potential and that is the art of a selector getting that balance right and I think by and large Jones hasn't done a bad job Johnny in sport now we no longer use um, form at, to- at the top level to to to, to pick our rugby teams my, my, so my... If, if I get score 350 in the county championship that doesn't mean I'm any better the, for England the all blacks are like that yeah, I mean, my, Sorry my, to my, my, my problem with Eddie Jones is is the way that he makes it up as he goes along, and it's yeah, exactly. and it's a different answer for different people. The the end of the the Six Nations or the end of a summer tour or the end of the autumn tour, he'll say, "Now I want players to go back to their their clubs and play like their test players." And like you say, if that's then then pointed at Dylan Hartley, he doesn't go back to Northampton and play like a test player. Well, after his, last autumn, he got himself suspended for six exactly. weeks and he was didn't off for play. Six weeks. And after this autumn, he's just played like a drain. Yeah, and also in his first year under Eddie Jones, I think he played something like seven games for Northampton because, lo and behold, whenever it came back to the the Premiership, he had a back injury or had a little niggle here or there or he had a concussion, which are obviously, you know, serious issues and everything. But I think at the same time, Ed, Ed, like Barnsley says, Ed, Eddie doesn't care about that but he can't keep on saying that he does care about it with other people. The thing with Dylan is that Dylan is not only the England captain during the Six Nations and during the autumn, he's the England captain every day, and Eddie Jones doesn't tell us this all the time because I'm pretty sure Eddie is in contact with Dylan every day or if not every other day. They are, you know, he's sending him emails he's sending him text message he'll be sending him you know clippings of this clippings of that it is a for Hartley it is a 24-7 job and sometimes I think you can see that he wears that quite quite badly others when they're you know when his kind of haunches are up a little bit he's he's he's, he's fine with it I think this is for him is a bad period though in terms of his form obviously Saints have just been uh, awful and he's he's suffered what, what Eddie says and what Eddie does they, they just don't marry up and that and that's fine they don't have to because what he says in public is is just for is just filling hot air or filling newspaper columns, and occasionally gives us something to yeah, hang, hang he, him on. Like, like when he said, when he says you have to go away and behave like a test match animal, or whatever, and then Dylan goes and behaves like a test match insect. But um, I don't understand. We, we seem in the media be getting upset because Eddie's leading us on a on a false goose chase. 
Eddie Jones has not been made manager of England to give us straight answers all the time. Eddie Jones doesn't care about us. Yeah. Eddie Jones has been selected to win a World Cup. Now, I think there's an issue at the moment that I think Jones isn't getting everything <clears throat> right, so the performances aren't as good as the results. But while they'll keep winning and winning and winning and winning, it's very hard to argue. Do you think Eddie could possibly have chosen, Stuart, a better time to be here when South Africa are the worst they've ever been, Aussie have been terrible, Argentina have faded and become a joke, Italy have always been a joke, Scotland have been bad till this season, Wales are going downhill and they're not, they've never played New Zealand. Is this not the ideal time to come in to be coach of England? It, it is, Steve, but having said that, you know, apart from Clive Woodward... You know, we had that England era when Dick Best was saying we'll have to drop out of the six nations, five nations as it was then because the competition's not good enough. England then went over a decade or so without winning it. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter what you say. England have failed and failed and failed and failed other than when Clive Woodward is there. And the only time they have succeeded on a, on a, a clear run two years is Eddie Jones. Those are hard facts, Steve. Eddie came up with a with a quite an interesting line last week when he was asked about a certain player players. He said, "I'll do I'll deal with the media favourites first. Um, <laughs> yes, he did. Now yeah. the media favourite, we may get things palpably wrong, but between us in this this uh, box, we've seen probably two thousand international matches, and some of it must have might might have rubbed off. Do you think that when we mention players in the media and when we think they're going well? Even though we never conspire, it's all individual. Do you think that makes their chances of of, uh, of getting in the team less because Eddie doesn't like seeing all their names in the media? In, in Eddie Jones's weird, wonderfully warped world, possibly you know you never know with him. But I think that to to kind of throw it at the at the media and say it's you know you you guys keep on talking about Danny Cipriani, well because he's playing well for Wasps, or you guys keep on talking about Dan Robson again, or, or Don Armand, he's playing well yeah. for. Well, yeah. for what Don Armand yeah. tearing it up at Exeter, Don Armand, man of the match in the um, in the Premiership final. Eddie Jones says then he's not good enough for Test rugby. Tom Wood can't make the summer tour. What does Eddie Jones do? Picks Don Armand. So mm. you know maybe he did take our advice on that one. But um, I think that uh, to, to level it at the media I and also <coughs> as Barnsley said, you know with social media, there's a lot of people that someone has a good game and it's you know, there's little clips everywhere. You know everyone sees it. It's it's everywhere. People will be talking about it. I Can think, I just say, oh, would, would you not prefer? That and and I agree that I don't understand some of Eddie's selections and I and I I fervently think that Dan Robson should be in the squad etc etc. But would you would would you not rather be slightly perplexed by a, a head coach who sticks so rigidly to his views rather than in the old era, well in, in the Stuart Lancaster era where he was influenced by what he read? There's absolutely no doubt about that. A lot of what he did was it was influenced, yeah. and he and sometimes. He made decisions, maybe not consciously, but it was, but it did appease the media. I think yeah. if, if a player's if a player's going well and tearing it up at their club and doing good things at Wasps, and he's England qualified and he's played for England before, like Danny Cipriani, I like you, Slotty, don't think he's ever going to be anywhere near the England squad camp. You know, well, nor reckoning should, ever. Should, should. Nor, nor should Danny Cipriani be now. He's not playing to that level. He doesn't have the potential that George Ford has. So Eddie Jones is actually right there. Club rugby is in its own way, a long way down from international rugby. So I think Eddie Jones, in his view, is absolutely right there. Um, it's very hard to knock him. And, and Steve's point, you know, the point made about what, what do you want? Do you want Stuart Lancaster, who is subconsciously influenced by us? That's a disaster. Picking, you know, not 
not giving people like Slade a chance because he wanted to see how somebody we all like fitted in. That whole pre-World Cup 2015 thing was Stuart Lancaster playing players to give them 10, 15 minutes. Danny Cipriani, case in point. The Cipriani uh, crescendo was reached. He gave him 10 or 15 minutes. Danny played quite well. But by doing that, we didn't see someone like Henry Slade. England went to the World Cup with a weaker squad. I want to see someone who doesn't care whether he's consistent in what he says to the media. It's not his job. You know, Eddie Jones will rise and he will fall on what he does, not how he appeases us. That's it. I'll have the final word. I think that, for instance, if you're a Saracen last year and you came through what they came through and the year before that, the idea that that doesn't qualify you to play international rugby is absolute drivel. This is The Ruck. We'll be back after this. Love your rugby? Then don't miss the Scrum Weekly, your Wednesday update from the game's finest writers. Only at thetimes.co.uk. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Did you see the ads now? They mentioned you and me. I know. <laughs> it's not Right, let's just have a bit of levity now, um, as Barnsley's clearly getting steamed up here. <laughs> Barnsley, um, the, this new beast, the Leinster Llama, what should we think about, about the Llama? Because he's had one magnificent run from 90 metres for Leinster, but you now think he might be a player. Steve, I think it's fair to say that my instincts are normally of the cynical variety. And I yeah, saw we've them, noticed that this I, morning. I, I saw the Munster-Leinster game on television and he played very well and thought, heck, that's a, one hell of a try. Could be an exception, though. I was at uh, the RDS to watch Leinster play Ulster and Ulster aren't a great team. But this kid, you, you could see it. I mean, he's, he's got, he's got a, a two-footed sidestep. He shifts like... Uh, Cullen, he's got that sort of easy grace going there and he, he he stamps down with a Robinson step and then he's got those little patter patter change of change, change of pace the step is alters, he's a hard man to stop, he tackles well, he can kick, he I, it's early days but he looks exceptional I, you know, I, I, I've written about him Monday's Times saying Joe Smith should pick him. He's the sort of bloke hmm. who could turn Ireland from a very competitive team into a ferocious team. What he has is the ability to murder you on the counter-attack. Ireland play a squeeze game, they press you, but then what do they do when someone kicks loose? This guy can break you in heart, two, break two, you in two. Two more questions about Jordan Lama. Um, a, has anyone got the guts to play a guy like that? Because in the old days you would... Currently, you'd run a mile. Well, Steve, you're a big fan of Rob Carney, and he's getting somewhere near his best form. But mm. near isn't quite <coughs> enough, because this kid could do so much. Mm. Uh, Joe Smith has a real reputation for being quite conservative, for being a, 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 a controlling influence. But you've got to remember that uh, Joey Carberry was only four days past 21 when he came off the bench in Chicago and played a part as fly half to beat the All Blacks. So... 
I think Smith will have the nerve to do it because I think he's a good coach. I think he'll look at what England did with Wilkinson as an 18-year-old and Robinson as a, as a union rookie, and I think he, he'll blood him. It might be off a bench, it might be at wing, but Sch- I think he's going to play. Schmidt has, has had Jordan Lama training with the um, with the senior squad since last Six Nations mm-hmm. last year. Okay, and um, and just while we're on the subject. Regulars of this parish will go back to the uh, the podcast of the 21st of March and they will remember very well that we talked about him then as the rising star. That was a podcast following the um, the and Six the, Nations Grand Slam weekend and, and, I, and I went to watch England versus Ireland um, at the under-20s yeah. and, you, mm. and we talked about what were your highlights of that weekend and watching him that day, I, I mentioned him there, I said that is the guy that's coming. OK, Jordan Lama, absolutely one to watch and uh, my goodness, wouldn't it be great if great individuals like that uh, uh, came back into the into the frame uh, Johnny um, let's just go back to um, team seems to be my favourite now Saracens mm. uh, just a quick word about them because they put there's was- a lovely Saracens hoodie you're wearing today as well by the way <laughs> they put uh, I just wore one hoodie a Claremont Avern hoodie once because it was cold you, need you, wore, you wore it the other day Maybe, Twickenham, no you? no I wear it well I paid so much for it I've got to wear it can you wear I've a different a- club hoodie every week no, no that would be part of the entertainment I for bought the one because I forgot to take my fleece to Claremont and I bought had to buy it it was all that was there okay I wear my Saris underpants and all that. Johnny uh, Saracens. Uh, <coughs> yesterday, Big Billy, Big Macca were back. Big Marrow. To- big, big, they're all big. big. They're all big, yeah. Uh, they, were all, they were all back. Are they now going to come smoothly back into top gear? I think when you, when you see Billy when he returns, I don't think that I haven't really seen him anything other than top gear. Maybe, maybe fourth at some points, but um, you'd hope as an England fan that he'd come steaming back because he's going to be you know, huge for the Six Nations, I think. Um, hmm. You know, Sam Simmons is a good player, but I think. It, it, Obviously, Nathan Hughes injured as well. I think England going to the Six Nations with Sam Simmons at number eight or Billy at number eight, you know, it's it's not even a debate, is it? So I think, um, yeah, it's, it's it's been a frustrating year for him, obviously, with his Lions heartbreak as well. So uh, just love to see him, as Slotty said earlier in his in his New Year's wishes, just love to see him get a run now because that, that shoulder injury and that knee injury really did ruin his last kind of 18 months or so. Can we just ask Stuart one question before we don't want to get too far into England things? But um, Stuart, another one of Eddie's uh, favourites is obviously Mike Brown. Recently on the Lions tour and this season, we've seen Anthony Watson be playing in a higher gear when he was fullback. We've seen Jack now playing out of his skin, and um, also uh, Johnny May too. Some three three decent contenders. Do you feel he's going to stick with Mike Brown as 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 has as powerfully as he stuck with uh, Dylan Hartley? Yep, and I hundred percent disagree with it. Um, talked about. Uh, Jordan Lama and, uh, 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 and what he can do is kill you on the counter England's game like Ireland's like New Zealand's modern test rugby is about putting a territorial squeeze forcing teams then to do st- something useless like miss a kick to touch 30 metres out what do you do then England unfortunately are good at putting a part A putting the pressure on you but when a team a good team bangs the ball away England can't kill you on the counter unless it's a moment of brilliance from someone like Johnny May or Watson you look at New Zealand uh, you, you look at the Aussies they can really smash you on the counter attack and that is the key to the game England's glaring weakness is the fact that they've got cracking wingers but they've got a full back who's the apex of a counter attack game who cannot counter attack and Whilst he's brave and he's honest and he's a, a, a sort of another prototype Eddie, a ferocious competitor, I don't see England winning a World Cup with Mike Brown there. 
Okay, this is going to another player who's always in the news, Owen, Joe Marler. Um, Joe's up uh, shortly for yet again after about the 10th time he said he's going to change his, uh, change his mindset, etc. For what looked like uh, a really, really nasty swing. Um, John and Johnny and uh, Owen, what do you think and where does that leave him? And could he actually get a real big band, like sort of two or three months? I think he could do it. It leaves leaves him in a really bad place because he's got so much previous now. He was his last band was only um, at the end of October, and um, if if you if you if you review that incident as as I think we all have now, mm. I mean it, it was it, it was unprovoked violence, and it, you know the the guy the guy will the the guy will will be charged under. We're not sure what what's, uh, what the charge will be, but. Um, I think his minimum is going to be four weeks. It should be around six weeks, but they might take into account his his history and and, and make it quite a lot longer. And and I don't think he he could really have a lot of complaint if that was the case. No, he's he's got absolutely no leg to stand on. Like you say, he was done for three weeks in October, a very short time ago. So he's his Six Nations is possibly even looking over before it started. Really, and I think I don't know what kind of view Eddie Jones will take to it. I don't know whether he'll be. Uh, defending him on this one or just kind of throw him under the bus and say what well, you've just completely ruined it for yourself here mate because um, there's some decent there's some decent loose heads coming through at the moment obviously Ellis Genge is injured which is a real shame because he was going great guns and then you've got Ben Urbano as well um, who whilst he, he you know he doesn't look fit enough for Test Rugby I don't think at the moment I think to, to bring him off the bench um, once Mako's put a shift in would be would be an interesting and so exciting thing for. Do you think Marlow's put his Test future at, in, at risk now? Again, Eddie Jones loves these kind of players, as as, as Barnes has said, and we said before. You know, he loves the the players with a little bit of earthiness and a a blokey bloke and all this the gang, kind of the gangster stuff the, that he talks about, gangster yeah. and, and and whatever he wants to call Marlow. So he he loves that stuff. But again, how how can you trust a bloke that does that in a in a Premiership game, how can you trust him in a mm. in, in in a crunch but, Six but, but Nations game this, or in a this, you know a World Cup? We'll go back to that, this Eddie consistency thing. So 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 you, you could ha- apply the same argument to Dylan Hartley, can't you? Hmm. Uh, and but Eddie Jones, his argument is, but he never stands up like that for England, and nor is Joe Marler for England, is he? Uh, and, and that's how he he defends Dylan's disciplinary record. So there's nothing to do with the on the, the sort of image of the game when someone does a flying forearm smash, oh, Eddie, as long as he doesn't do it for England, Eddie. Eddie's Ed, well, no, I think it's, it's not that the image of the game that Eddie's saying that he's, he's saying that he managed to keep his head when he's playing in a okay. white shirt. Big week of uh, European Cup, European Challenge Cup action this week, guys. The fifth round, uh, and so almost a, well, the penultimate round of the pool. Stuart Claremont, uh, since we keep on uh, putting up his favourites, or we have done recently. You've seen a lot of Leinster lately. Um, do you think they're now coming in uh, to a spot where they could be favourites? Uh, they are the favourites with the bookmakers, and I think the bookmakers are absolutely right. Last year, um, they're very consistent in their domestic league, and they were solid in Europe. Um, but I never thought they had that certain something to win it. They're a completely different team this season. Their defence is fantastic. I've got to say that the two-man uh, Andy Farrell tackle system is working really well. They're hungry. Um Sexton is fit and playing well. They've got in Furlong a bloke who gives you what you need more than anything, which is an anchor on the scrum. They've got X-Factor guys like Lama. They've got it all at the moment. They're very confident. Um, They play Glasgow Sunday. That'll be five straight wins because Glasgow now have given up on Europe. They're going to be a home seed in the quarterfinal. They're pretty close to the final, I think, and and the bookies make them favourite. And I think they should be. Uh, right now, you know, Saracens 
are going to have to come from an away quarter-final. Now, in the last four years, two teams have won away quarter-finals to carry on. Both times it's been Saracen, so... Mm. I think if the draw goes right, I'm looking at a Leinster Sarri's final. I think it's one of the things, the sad things is, so much does depend on this sort of random semi-final yeah, draw, doesn't yeah. it? Johnny, um, Exeter and Montpellier, um, Exeter have not been at their best in the, in the, in the um, in Europe. They have to win that one. Um, do you think that they've got the resources and the, and the mindset to put away Montpellier? I do, because I mean, I went down there um, earlier in the season when they beat Montpellier at their place and I thought that was one of the well one of their one of their best ever performances I'd I'd say it was it was right up there it was against the odds and they they just dug in and they have that kind of steely mentality and I think down at Sandy Park obviously um they're going to have a huge support there I think that uh you know all the players that we talked about Don Armand and all these guys are, are, are going well for them there and they're turning into kind of big game players as well and they they have that kind of rounded squad that they can um can do it as well. Obviously, Montpellier. You know, we know all about their threats, and the um, uh, Nadolo, the giant Fijian, is a is a back at Sandy Park after you know spending a short spell there. I can't remember when it was. It was about six, seven years ago or something. I think mm. um, you were still at school, Johnny. Yeah, mm. when it was back in the amateur <laughs> era. Um, so yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's the way I'm going to be heading. That's that. Uh, that's the one to watch for me because I think yes, they if they can pull out a result there, and then do it again, and I think that you know they've got a good chance. Obviously, it's a possibly some of the runner-up spots that we're looking at for for most of the English sides, I think, now. We're obsessed with results. I'll tell you the best extra have played this season. 50 minutes at Lansdowne Road against Leinster. They led them 17-3. Now, it wasn't that Exeter had a bad day. Leinster are an extremely good team. I thought that's the best I've seen Exeter play, and it showed what a good side they are. But it also shows the quality of opposition. We mustn't get stuck in this English, Anglo-centric world mm. where if an English team lose to someone else, they must have been off form. They weren't. Leinster are bloody good. Uh, Owen, um, Arlequ- Wasps uh, got a catastrophic injury list, so much so that they started with their last two regular centres yesterday, lost them both, and ended up with the centre partnership of Rob Miller and Guy Armitage. Not the best time to go away to Harlequins. We'll be trying to, 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 trying to rough them up. Don't know, don't know what Harlequins will do with that game actually because they're, they're dead in Europe so they, they've got so many injuries of their own that they'll want to keep as fresh a team as possible for um, for two weeks further down the line they'll they'll enjoy nothing more than stuffing up Wasps uh, hopes in Europe so uh, and, and the other side is Harlequins actually have so many injuries of their own that they'll struggle to rest some of their better players even mm. if they wanted to OK, Stuart um, the, 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 the long-awaited Welsh Quarter finalist. Yeah, um, come on. We've got we've got Clenethley, uh playing away at Bath on a Friday, with Bath still very much interested, and then we've got the Ospreys on Saturday playing at home to Saracens. Obviously, both sides very much interested. Will one of the Welsh teams come through? I don't think Ospreys will. I think Saracens are just too good a team. They've been very competitive in Europe. They'll give them a game. You know, they've got an inspiring leader in Alan Wynne-Jones. Their halfbacks, Webb and Bigger, are playing well. But I just think Saracens will have too much. I think the real story is Friday night. And I think the main player that day is going to be the weather. If it's wet and windy and awful as it was in West Wales when Bath went there and did a defensive number on the Scarlets, then I think Bath will have too much power up front to win it. Uh, If it's a decent day... The Scarlets have an all-round game to win this game. And, you know, Bath versus 
what many of us will think of as Llanethly is an old-fashioned traditional game. And that plays into the hands of the West Walians because this is a game that they've played for the Ragdoll over the years. They're familiar with Bath. It's not far to travel. We know that you know, a lot of Welsh teams don't like travelling over the Seven Bridge. Well, you can see it from the Bath Junction. Um, it's tight. They've got a really good chance. And if they win it, they play too long at home in round six. And I would have a substantial wager that if the Scarlets need to beat Toulon at home, they will. The injury crisis in the game, we hear a lot about it and we hear all coaches saying, well, of course, don't worry because it gives everybody else a chance. You now get into the stage where some teams, for instance, um, the, the Newport Dragons got 24 players out. Was not many fewer than that. Um Everyone has got key players out, and the numbers are growing and growing and growing. Welsh national teams only got, I think, two of their normal starting pack left for the first game against Scotland. Stuart, is it is it being devalued for fans now? But but even worse, is it getting too dangerous for players? I don't think the devalue factor comes into it because I think the academy systems are bringing good players through. I think the issue is, I don't I don't like using the word dangerous, just too physical, just too tough. Um, and sometimes you just got to think this is something where it's very hard to sort of 20 seconds in a podcast say mm. what's the answer I don't know but I think there is an issue the game is overly physical but you can't take it away from rugby that's the nature of the game that is what the fans love Johnny? Yeah, it's a it's a tough one, and then you think because uh, you look at say the Irish system when the the players are centrally contracted and stuff like that, and they don't play as many games, and, but they, and is that the answer? But Johnny, but still they've got play. They're, they're full of injuries as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and obviously when you do play, you're going to play. You're going to be playing in the big games. You're not going to be playing in the so-called Mickey Mouse ones, if you if you will. So I think at the moment we're seeing some of the injuries we're seeing a. You know some real horrific ones as well, but also some freak ones. Obviously, you've got Kashalakis, um, Harlequins, you know, broken bone in his th- in his um, in his throat, and all these kind of things. And um, I think that unless uh, I haven't even got any bones in my throat, I didn't. No, no, you might. Yeah, yeah, you definitely do. Slotty, okay. um, are yeah. we? Should, oh, where should we be? Well, um, I don't know if anyone's seen the incident uh, Claremont at Racing at the weekend. Mm. Um, so Claremont uh, have been absolutely been ravaged by injuries. We've already mentioned um, probably as much as any other team in Europe brought in an 18-year-old winger called Samuel Eziala, uh, Spanish, um, who they had to resort to because they didn't have any players left. Uh, went to make a tackle, got his head on the wrong side. And it was so bad that not only did the stretcher and the doctors come on, but they brought put up the white sheets around mm. him like they do for a horse at the at the Grand National. Actually, the bloke's all right, but if you're watching that on the telly, mm. you're not going to let your kid play that game. It, it's difficult, and there's so much head-first bashing, bashing, bashing round the side now. If you bought the ruck back, you'd get rid of a lot of that. Yes. I mean, if you bought the ruck back, then we'd have all sorts of other issues. Someone said uh, in the old days, it was like uh, when rucking was rucking, it was like lying... While a multi adidas centipede um, st- stamped on you, but Steve, very little of that stuff was on the head. I totally. And, and, and the problem is, the world world rugby is scared of seeing a bit of blood. And this sounds callous, but there's nothing wrong with a bit of blood if it's on the back and you're on the wrong side. Totally players agree. never cared. Players self policed and referees. They know that too. I Rucking totally is agree. a key key point. You're right. If you bought ruck back, you you wouldn't have three thousand breakdowns per game. So it's another triumph for the ruck then. Thanks very much for listening to us. We'll be back next week uh, reviewing Europe. Uh, I'd just like to thank uh, Stuart Barnes, Owen Slot, Johnny Fordham, 
uh, for coming in today. Johnny's sponsored by Courage, Fuller's, and Nobby's Nuts, and Guinness. A couple of Scotch eggs as well. Thank you very much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.